All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week, we're going to talk to Greg Thomas. And Greg's got a little special announcement that he's looking to make. So we'll let Greg come on. We'll talk about a special announcement. And then, as always, Greg is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to musky fishing. We're not just going to let him come on and make an announcement and hit the road. We're going to get some information from him so that we can help you guys catch more muskies this season. I hope everybody's been getting out. I hope everybody enjoyed the holiday. It's a couple days post 4th of July, and we hope over the long weekend everybody is able to get out and put some fish in the net. If you weren't able to put fish in the net and you need a little help with that, you need some new gear, make sure you check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. We are your source for all things musky gear. If you're looking for crankbaits, bucktails, topwater baits, rods, nets, bump boards, we got you covered. And you should also check out MuskyMayhemTackle.com. They're the original big bladed flashaboo bucktail, and so you can go check out muskymayhemtackle.com. They have everything from Musky Mayhem Tackle, every product that they make, all sorts of custom color options. You can find out, you know, Brad and Carrie's daughter, Mika, she likes to come up with some crazy color combinations as well, so you can go check out Mika's customs on there too. And if you're shopping with either Team Rhino Outdoors or Musky Mayhem Tackle and you really want to support us, check out a t-shirt, a hoodie, a hat, or whatever. It's all very much appreciated. And like I said last week, we want to thank everybody that's, you know, ordered from us this year. The support has been still unbelievable. And we thank you all for if you weren't, you know, shopping with us or listening to our podcast or, you know, watching a video or or whatever we, we do for content wise, you know, we're basically nothing without you. So we want to thank you all for that. And I don't have Brad for this intro. He was out fishing when we were doing this one, he was out fishing last week too. Sounds like Brad's fishing too much, but I don't know. Is that even such a thing? So anyways, I'm going to dial up this conversation that Brad and I had because Brad was there for this conversation with Greg Thomas, Battle of the Beast Guide Service. All right, our guest this week is Greg Thomas with Battle of the Beast Guide Service. If you want to hear Greg speak, you know, about early season fishing, it's a little late for that, but we talked to Greg, I don't know, I'm guessing eight weeks ago, things moved by so quickly it was one of our april episodes so if you want to hear more about greg jump back a handful of episodes and you talk about greg the reason we have greg on right now is because greg i'll pretty much give you the stage it sounds like you got some news to talk about that you want to get out to the musky world so why don't you uh kind of share with us your news that you've going on yeah yeah my news is that uh you know we took over musky hunter magazine four years ago me and when i say we me and tony and, you know, with the vision of eventually, you know, making it and, and migrating it into different forms and the, the big news that we have, and it's probably the biggest news of that musky hunter has ever had is that we are now going to an app format. Now I know you guys out there that have subscribed that are subscribers, you're probably saying, you know, well, what the hell do we do with our subscription stuff like that? You know, I get it. I totally do. What we're doing is with the guys that are subscribers is that we are giving them free access to all the archives. They're going to get a digital issue, uh, a more condensed digital issue until the end of the year. And the app, you know, is it's, it's free. Uh, it's a free download on you. All you got to do is go to either Google Play if you're on an Android or go to the app store. If you're an Apple user and uh, you download it right to your phone, 
and it's a free issue. It's basically you're going to have everything from Us Canner Magazine right on your phone. There's going to be articles released every week. There's going to be posts put up every day. There is a musky fishing um, events calendar on there. So it'll show you all the events that we can find that are going on. They're going to be on the event section. We have a trolling chart that I've done a lot of work in and I'm continually doing and would gladly take um, bait references and anything like that from guys that they'd like to see on there, um, depth charts, so on. Uh, we've got, you know, some so lunar stuff. We have a lot of podcasts. We have a lot of YouTube. Um, and it's basically what we're trying to create is a community where, you know, right on your phone or any mobile device, you can just go and find all your, your musky stuff. And, you know, I know a lot of guys are like, wow, I really like the magazine. And I, you know, and I, and I get that I do too. And this was a decision that we came to not easily. Trust me, there was a lot of sleepless, aggravated nights. And at the end of the day, you know, I know everybody hates hearing it, but COVID played a big role in this for us. You know, basically, if you can't afford to, you know, with through advertising to keep the print going, you know, it's, it's useless to do it. So the transition, which I feel is necessary and something I wanted to do ever since the beginning is to go to this app format and to uh, create a, a community on your phone that we can get out there and, and hit a bunch of people. So, you know, I'm encouraged, like I said, it is free. All you got to do again is go to the Apple or the Google play stores and type in musky hunter magazine and you'll see the new app right there. Download it and check it out. There's nothing, uh, like I said, it's going to cost you nothing, but, uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping people enjoy it. I know, you know, guys are going to be aggravated. And guys, if you are, you know, I know you're frustrated. And if you really liked the the magazine, I encourage you to call Tony Grant and tell him exactly what you think. Please call Tony at 606-776-6570. I would love it if you did that because that would make me laugh. But no, the, the, the magazine, guys, we've been trying to get this and to figure it out. And it's just something that we're trying to keep going and, and just keep musky hunter around for the future. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people do like, uh, what we're doing. We do get out to a lot of people and for it to survive, I think this is going to be the, uh, this is going to be the way and the amount of information is just going to get more and more and more. You know, I wanted to come on here tonight and mainly talk about what we're doing with that. And, I just think it's going to be great. I mean, it, 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 in no other way are you going to be able to have all this stuff at the tip of your fingers. It's just going to be a lot of information and something that we've worked on a lot. So um, I'm hoping you guys really enjoy it. So to clarify, I guess I would say then Muskie Hunter Magazine as a physical copy, as a mag actual magazine, is going to cease to exist. Is that 100% what you're saying? Yes. Yes. As, as a physical print copy with paper costs going up and just the, you know, the, the a decrease in it's a bunch of different things. This is something we were planning on anyway. It just, it's happening a little sooner than we thought. I think it's going to be a, a, a big step for us. Uh, I hope guys come with us on this because I think they're really going to enjoy it. 
um, in the information and all the stuff that we're going to share. Um, I think it's all a, a good thing. I mean, there's going to be more information here than there is anywhere else. Um, I'm hoping to get my, the next thing I'm hoping to do is to get, get my YouTube challenges back up and uh, going again. I'm hoping to film some of those this summer. I'm hoping to, we're going to keep every week getting you a new article up there for you to read. So, I mean, there's going to be a ton of information more than you're going to find anywhere in one spot. And then the other thing is, this is, I'm assuming based on what I'm hearing, it's going to be more blog format, less like an actual magazine because there's been online magazines. Occasionally a, a manufacturer will send me like an online copy of their catalog and you can literally flip pages. It won't necessarily no. be that. It's going to be very much like blog style. It's going to be a blog style. Yeah. Much, you know, very similar to our website we have now, muskanner.com. It's going to be blog style, but I mean, there's going to be, if you go on there, you know, there's going to be different things that you can click on. You can click on the, you know, the weight calculator. You can click on, you know, we've got sections on there that, again, like I said, you can do trolling charts. Um, we actually have a musky hunter game that's on there. So there's, there's a bunch of different applications uh, on there that I think people are going to enjoy the trolling charts for me. For one, I mean, if, you know, if anybody's like I am, when you started trolling, you learned how deep baits went by letting line out and finding out when they hit the bottom. This way, you're able to do that and, and see everything in real time. We're going to have re uh, readers' photos on there. Uh, the PMTT, um, we're going to have a bunch of stuff about the PMTT there on the homepage for you to look at. Uh, and also, we're going to you know, keep the spotlight up with, you know, featured anglers and try to feature different lakes and, you know, just keep this stuff going and keep stuff as fresh as possible, you know, with the information and just keep people learning, you know, I mean, that's the biggest thing is to keep people learning. Greg, I'm going to assume that, uh, is this kind of like different, uh, stuff brought on there every day, every week. I mean, what, what's the time every frame? day there'll be different, there'll be different posts go up every day. I mean, and we're just going to basically scour the, the, the internet for, for information and, and then also have original, there's going to be original content every week. There's going to be stuff that goes up that, you know, whether it be a, you know, kind of like with the magazine, whether it be a, a musky on the budget article, a featured article, uh, the catch or, you know, any type of regular column that's going to go up there. Um, but you're going to get it every week because one of the biggest things that always frustrated me with the magazine is that the, the old new type format, you know, this, this year it's going to happen as we get it, it's going to go up, whether it be tournament results, whether it be, some, you, know, a, you know, a record fish just caught, you know, this is how we're going to put it up there. It's going to go up quick. You're going to know about it as soon, if not sooner than anybody. So Greg, let's just say hypothetically, I renewed, you know, earlier this year, maybe it was January at one of the shows. What kind of value are you going to provide for those customers of yours that have, you know, made that investment back in, well, like I said, well, hypothetically we're using January. What do they get for their, their dollars? Sure. Basically what we're doing is we're providing everybody that renewed that we have their email address. We encourage everybody to email us and let us know if you do have a current subscription, you will get a copy of the archives. And when I say archives, we have every issue of Muskie Hunter magazine digitized. And ever since the first one back to 1989, 
And they, you know, we typically, you know, it has an assigned value. We usually, you know, have a $30 value on that. Uh, we're going to give you that for free to help make up for the cost. And then also, like I said, we are going to give you digital copies of the magazine, of new magazines that we're going to keep printing through the end of the year. So, like I said, you're still going to get every magazine that has ever been printed by Muskie Hunter, um, but not in its physical form, in the, you know, in the PDF, uh, in a digital form. And then, like I said, we're going to have three new issues in a digital form that are going to come out in the standard magazine form. But we want to transition over to the app by the, you know, by the end of the year. We're hoping to transition everything over to the app. So, I mean, it sounds like there's going to be some value yet, like you said, for people that are looking for a traditional a traditional copy of Muskie Hunter magazine. They'll still be able to get that just in a more digital form. It'll probably be less blog style, more like you've done, like you said, in, in the previous yep. archived issues. So there's still be some yep. value there. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's still going to be... There's still going to be that. The only, you know, like I said, I mean, what we ran into is, again, with paper costs, with COVID, with everything. And we haven't taken a, a subscription for a while because, you know, again, we, we didn't want to take money on stuff that we had promised. And so we're really working hard at trying to keep everyone satisfied. I know everyone won't be. And it's just one of those things that if, if the transition didn't happen, it was probably going to go away and we didn't want to see that happen. We were hoping to keep this going and then get it eventually over to this app, but we were kind of having to go a little sooner than we thought. And, you know, I, I think the app format, I think all of that's going to be, it's going to be really good for the future of this. It's going to get a lot more information out there. Well, it's pretty exciting news, Greg, and I think, you know, you did a good job explaining everything, and I don't know, it's going to be interesting, you know, it's just a totally different concept, but I think at the end of the day, it sounds like you're going to have a bunch of different things that are offered. You're going to get a lot more stuff than, and a lot more current stuff that you couldn't have gotten with the magazine. You know, again, I loved holding a magazine, but I'm also old, and I think with the app as far as the stuff you can see the stuff that we're able to provide and the 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 readiness and the immediacy of everything i think it's something that people are really really going to like and if you're still going to get your information out there and you know like i said muskie hunter is not changing you know what we're doing we're just changing the format we're delivering it to you know, with the way technology moves, you can update the stuff quite a bit quicker. I mean, let's be real, the whole process of putting the magazine together, you know, the articles in, let's just say, I think it was the June-July episode that you just put out, or issue that you just put out, you know, those those articles were written probably back in, what, January and February? I mean, so you can... You know, yeah, we always work. Yeah, most of those, we had to have those all in by uh, June 1st. Those were, uh, no, no, let me take that back. We had, those, we had to have those in by April 1st. So, I mean, it, it's a, you know, it, it, it's definitely a, a process. And, you know, we can't, it, we, we can't even talk, you know, you can't even with the magazine, you know, like, so there was a new state record caught in West Virginia in April. Well, it didn't come out in the magazine until June, July, you know? I mean, and, and so it's kind of old news with this app. We're able to deliver all this stuff right away, you know, interview the person, 
talk with them, get you all the information that you want to see about this. And you can do it right at the at, on your phone, on your iPad. Yeah, and it's just right there in your pocket. And I just feel that it's going to be a great delivery system. That's something that, you know, once people see it and see what we're doing, I think they're just going to, they're just going to love it. Yeah. The only downside to it is like you said, you know, you're going to lose out on the older customers like myself that would want to just flip through a magazine. Sure. Sure. I mean, there, there is that, but I think as we're doing it, I, I think it's just a transition of the times and, and the transition of everything that is happening and, and, and people wanting the immediacy of information. I just think it's something that we've, we've got to do. All right, Greg. So I think we buttoned up that topic pretty well. One last time for people that are looking to get this app on their phone. How do they go about doing it? All you got to do, it's real simple guys. Pick up your phone, your iPad, your, um, Google, you know, your, your Android, Go on there. I want you to go to whatever store, whether it's Google Play or whether it's uh, the App Store, and uh, type in Muskie Hunter Magazine, and you'll see it there. Click on it. Hit download. It'll come right to your phone, and you'll start seeing everything that we've got up there. You're going to see, like I said, you're going to see articles. You're going to see the YouTube. You're going to see um, trolling charts, moon data you're gonna you know readers photos submit some photos we'd love to see you people you people are beautiful we'd love to see you and just everything that we're uh working on with it and there's going to be new stuff added you know all the time trust me i mean i i constantly are thinking i'm thinking the stuff and as long as the uh creator of the app doesn't shoot me in the face we should uh we should be pretty good to go so make sure you check it out guys please download let us know what you think um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. All right. So, Greg, we have you up in Eagle River right now. You're pre-fishing for the PMTT. I kind of wanted to get a little bit of, uh, you know, knowledge on how you break down water. The, obviously, Eagle River isn't new water to you. You fish it every single year, so you know it pretty well. The conditions obviously have changed. Right now, you're up there, and the temperature is probably about 95 degrees and oh. super hot. So your first day on the water, let's talk about this. If somebody's going out, they're, they're taking a trip, let's talk how you broke down today, maybe, or you know, kind of maybe lay out your plan for the week. This episode's not coming out till after the, you know, this is all done. So let's kind of lay out your plan for you know, somebody taking a vacation and how you would go about the week as far as your preparation to try to catch musk. Well, you know, we're here... And, you know, with the PMTT now, we got the two lakes that we can fish, two chains, I mean. We've got Eagle River chain and we got three lakes chain. What I did is I come up four days early here. And what I did today was, well, for one, I got a new motor for my boat. So I spent half the day doing break-in on it. But I went out on the Eagle River chain, which is one I fished the most. Basically just went out and, and ran over spots looking for weeds. To me, that was the biggest thing was I did a lot of side imaging and a lot of, you know, live scoping and, and looking at stuff. And I, you know, basically trolled to me, learning a body of water trolling is the best thing you can do. And, you know, I wanted to look for weeds and see how the weeds were on the different spots that I've caught fish on over the years. And uh, just literally today laid a map, trolled uh, different baits and stuff, didn't catch any fish today. To me, anytime you go on a trip, the first day out, 
Uh, it should be a lot of going and, you know, maybe not so much of, I guess, camping on spots. It should be a lot of just hitting a bunch of spots over and over and over, you know, and, and looking and just checking stuff out, making sure, you know, seeing how the weeds are, seeing what the weed growth is, um, you know, looking for bait, stuff like that. Cause every year weeds change. I mean, that's some years they're really good. Some years they're bad. And I think a lot of it is, is, is a lot of mapping, uh, the first day of any trip, especially in a tournament when you're trying to, uh, you know, break down a body of water, um, you always want to like move around and look and uh, check stuff out that you know in the past has been good and, and see exactly what the structure looks like. If you haven't been to a lake before, you know, if it's a, if it's a new lake for you, you know, look at the map. Um, I would look for any, you know, on your map card. Um, I'm running the Humminbird, the Helixes. You know, always do a, a highlight, you know, kind of figure out or just by talking to people they'll tell you what the weed edge is, you know, like what, you know, basically what the weed line in the lake is, you know, set your one uh, shallow water highlight to whatever the weed edge is and then just zoom the map out and then look on there and just see where you've got extended flats that stick out, bays that goes in, any type of uh, point that comes out and then pick, you know, four or five of them, go and map them, see what the weeds look like, see what the bait looks like and, and, and start there and, you know, start making your decisions, uh, as you go. You know, because you can fish the two chains, how much time are you going to spend on, on Eagle river versus three lakes? I mean, we'll, I'm kind of trying to re- relate this to somebody, you know, just out fishing, not everybody's fishing tournaments. Like, you know, if you're trying to break down new water, you're trying to put muskies in the boat, you know, how much time are you going to spend on each, each particular, you know area? what, for me, because I've fished Eagle River more, I typically, I'm going to spend just a little more time on Three Lakes because I haven't fished it as much. Tomorrow I'm going out, today I was on Eagle River, tomorrow I'm going to go out and just uh, go and and look around and basically troll out on Three Lakes for most of the day, check out spots that I looked at last year um, that I thought looked good last year and go from there. Uh, That to me is the the biggest thing is I just want to cover water and look and look at weeds and, and just see where stuff is growing and then just start making, uh, some decisions on, on where to fish. I mean, to me, the, the biggest thing is, is establishing, you know, where the one, where the good weeds are. And then again, in each lake, you know, zoom out a little bit, put your cursor on where you think the weed edge or, you know, say if the weeds grow and, you know, your weed edge is on like eight feet you know, zoom out a little bit, highlight it to eight feet, and then just look for irregularities, whether it be humps, uh, points, flats, or anything that runs out there, you know, in each lake, pick two or three of them, and then go through and check them out and see uh, see what they look like. And, you know, if you want to fish them, fish them fast, see if you can move a fish, and, and move on. And then once you find the ones that you think look the best, those are the ones you want to key in on and, you know, maybe put a little more time in there. And then the other component to it is cast and troll. I know you told me you're doing some trolling to check things out, which obviously is a great idea. But, you know, when it comes down to, you know, how you're going to fish a tournament, let's just say you're trolling and you don't catch anything. Do you completely rule out trolling or or are you just looking for, you know, certain items that, that key you in on whether or not there would be a trolling bite? And if, if so, is, is it the presence of bait fish out deep? What are you looking for to try to determine whether you're casting or trolling? 
Well, I mean, you know, if you know, like if I if I put in a, a day and a half, two days of trolling, and I don't have a rip, then I'm probably going to not rule it out. But it's going to be one of those things. I'm like, oh, you know, there's two things going on. One, either the fish are well, it could be three things. Uh, the fish are tucked in really tight to the weeds. Two, they want a stop and go bait. You know, something erratic. You know, a jerk bait. Something that's that that's that's moving a little bit. Even you know, and, and even a bucktail or a straight retrieve bait could be the same, especially if they only bite at the boat. You know what I'm saying? So if they're only biting at the boat on a figure eight, that means they want something that's that that's different. Trolling, you just can't. You know, you can't imitate that, but you can't. Two is they just you haven't found the wiggle they want, uh, and up here it makes it rough because you're only allowed one rod per person, and so you know, if, you know, if they don't want, let's say they want a you know. A, a jointed bait versus a straight bait versus a, um, a deep diver versus a shallow diver. So that even, you know, every bait has a different w- um, uh, wiggle or cadence. So that can be a huge deal. But traditionally, you know, if you go down that route, you're going to drive yourself crazy. The route that I always try to go is, okay, I'm not getting anything trolling. All right, let's try some stop and go stuff. Hit the weeds, hit the structure, make contact with it, and just see if the fish are buried. Trolling, I, I do like it. I do. I think it's great for covering water. I think it's great for looking around. But in, at the end of the day, if I'm not getting any bites, I am going to go up into the weeds um, or up on top of the rock, you know, try something with a stop and go retrieve uh, and something maybe to make some contact with a structure. You know, I find it interesting that you mentioned, you know, the the size of the bait, the jointed bait and all that stuff. Okay. So I, I spent a little bit of time up there recently and I was playing around with the same, you know, the same kind of stuff. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of variables when it comes to trying to figure out a trolling pattern. And like you said, in Northern Wisconsin, you can only run two baits. So, well, I mean, three, if you have more people in the, in the boat, but I didn't, I didn't have that option. So I'm looking, I'm looking at two baits. Open open an orphanage. (laughs) That that works in Minnesota because they'll allow you to just keep adding lines as long as you have the people in the boat. But I know Brad, that's something that Brad likes to do. But, you know, when you're up there, so if you had to, like, let's just say, for example, what do you think is more important? Size, speed, you know, color. What's the one biggest factor, I would say, in selecting a crankbait to start with? Well, I mean, I think size has something to do with, especially based on the system that you're fishing. But I think day in, day out, I think speed has a lot to do with it. I'm really watching my speed, trying to vary from, you know, like today I went from 3.2 to 4.2 throughout the day. And I, and I think that means a lot. So I think speed is big. And I also think, not necessarily color, but I think wiggle means something. Because I've had too many times, especially down south in Kentucky, where we don't have law, which I enjoy, and where you can run as many rods as you want, you get those days where you get a hot rod, you know, and, uh, or a hot bait, and it, it's not a color, you know, per se, but it might be, you know, for whatever reason, these fish today are wanting straight baby depth readers, you know, or, or jointed you know, uh, Wileys or a straight Ziggy or something like that. And I've just seen that happen too many times where I think wiggle plays a, a part in it. And it may, well, wiggle and then also the depth of water that that bait occupies should also be a, a, a thing. Um, the depth at which that bait, you know, 
that's another thing. The problem with, with trolling is, is, is that, you know, the variables are endless. If you, as long as you're going at a good speed and you got a bait that's running good, if you get that speed down, I think that's going to help you a lot. That speed and a bait that runs good at that speed. So, you know, if, if let's say the fish are one some at five miles an hour, well, uh, five miles an hour, if you put, you know, depending on what you put back there, it may not even run. Uh, it might be flying out of the water. So knowing the bait and the speed at which you can run it to me is a, is kind of a big thing. Yeah. Like you said, the variables are endless and that's the same, but it, it like, it just plays mind games with you all the time. Cause you're thinking, well, is it the size? Is it the speed? Is it the depth? So let's talk a little bit about depth then, you know, how deep are you running most of your crankbaits? Cause in, you know, when I was running, I was, I was airing on the high side. I've always tried to air on the, on the high side. And I was probably in that, you know, I'd say upper 10 feet for sure. One bait was probably about five down. One's about 10 down. You know, what's your, what's your, um, your thoughts on depth? I think you should always have a bait high, no matter what, no matter where you're fishing, uh, no matter what you're doing, you always need a bait in that top five to eight feet of the water column. Depending on the depth, if you're in 10 feet of water, you need one in that top two to three feet of the water column. So whatever percentage, so whatever depth of water you're fishing, you need something in that top 10%. Um, you need something right up there near the surface because there's a lot of fish that lay high um, or a lot higher than you think. Uh, that can be accomplished with shorter lines or with boards that go out the side, but also remember the stern planers that Church Tackle makes that are straight out the back of the boat and those stern planers can catch you a lot of fish and, and knowing what water column the fish are occupying is definitely something that I think is huge and being able to present bait in that water column, you know, it's something that we did many years ago, Brad, with the, with the blades, with the big balls running stuff like that and presenting a bait in a column that, you know, not necessarily, they are used to seeing in that column, you know, that can be, that can be really good too. I've, I've, I've all, you know, even in casting, I think that's a big thing, but in the trolling, I think it's huge just figuring out the water column, whether the fish are relating to the bottom or the top, but always have a bait high. And then I always either the other one, I adjust from bottom to mid level. It's interesting. You talk about that, the uh, stern planer. Cause I actually forgot all about it. I had seen it when I was out in, pennsylvania last year and it's actually a pretty cool deal you know you pretty much just let them out right behind the boat and it you know it doesn't spread out real far it's actually a pretty cool thing nope yeah it's, it's a cone basically if any of you guys were born in the 80s it's a, a madonna's bra cone <laughs> that goes out the back of the boat um you can do it a bunch of different ways if you got sucker bob you can do it with a sucker bobber i i've done it with i used to do it before they made those things with sucker bobbers out the back and basically what it is, it's a planer board that instead of going out to the side, it goes straight back behind the boat. So it's literally a bobber that if you want, you know, say, you know, the, and, and you're probably, you're saying, okay, so why would I want something like that instead of a planer board out to the side? In the south and even up here, when you're trolling and you want to get up next to shore or you want to get real tight to structure, um, and you want to put multiple baits there. You know, a planer board is great if you want to put one bait up shallow. Well, a stern planer allows you to put baits behind the boat where you can run short lines and you can put 
you know, ever how many baits you have out up shallow. That's where, you know, that's the beauty of the stern players. What, uh, so what's been happening with you over there in, uh, Western Minnesota? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it, um, wonderful? Well, we just came off of a bunch of really, really warm days. We had, uh, some weather roll through last night. It actually cooled down just a little bit, but we were like a hundred degrees yesterday. Had the weather come through last night. I think it was probably mid eighties today. It was pretty nice, but we have been dealing with big, big wind and it's been a struggle. No. I will say that. Yeah. I, it's hard to believe, right? It's windy in Western Minnesota. That is, that is shocking to me. Super, super strange. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's made fishing conditions really, really brutal. I think we had 40 mile an hour winds about two, three hours today. So that mm. made it interesting. We're seeing a bunch of fish on in the open water on electronics. We're not getting them to eat. And so I've had uh, a couple day dry spell, but uh, tomorrow looks like the weather's going to change again. And honestly, you know, I feel like we're maybe like a week behind on the season. But I will say that um, if things don't change in the next couple of days with the open water trolling, I'm going to go back to structure. Yeah, maybe those fish out there just aren't feeling it. And are you seeing a buy? Are, are you seeing any more action like during uh, moon windows or like evenings or any time that they're supposed to move? Or are they just being total um, buttholes? Previous to these two days that I've been struggling, it seemed like uh, probably about two minutes after the major, literally, um, you would get a little bite window that uh, would work for about 30 to 40 minutes. You might get one or two bites during that time frame, and then it would taper off, and uh, you're pretty much done for the day. So one thing that, you know, Greg, I, it's always kind of been interesting to me, but, you know, you were talking about trolling blades and keeping a bait high and keeping, you know, one down a little bit lower. We have not seen a good bug hatch for probably five years, four or five years. I mean, it's really strange, but, you know, we generally would have a good mayfly hatch, and that really seems to trigger the fish in the open water. And for whatever reason in my area, it's been really bad the last four to five years. So I do think that that's been playing a factor in uh, the open water trolling bite, but I don't know. I can't complain. I mean, I've had some good days too. So, well, I mean, the the open water thing is always goofy, and then and then sometimes they want a like stop and go bait casting presentation out there is sometimes what you have to go to, and it's just hard. You know, you just because trolling, you just cover so much more water. You can also eat more, which <laughs> is always fun. But the but the there's times they want to stop and go bait out there. It, Definitely, I, I've, I've always said that, that, you know, if you can't get one trolling, then it's usually, it means they want something to stop and go that you can't produce with a, a, a standard trolling procedure. Well, fortunately for me, you know, the stop and go probably worked pretty good today in the sense of uh, 40, mile wind, 40 mile an hour winds. That, uh, what direction were they from? Straight west. So it was oh. really, really nice. Those those are my favorite. Where did you did you put it in at the East Access? Of course, yeah. So that was interesting too. I almost had to call off this uh, podcast because I wasn't sure if I really wanted to try to land my boat. I, I think I would have just jumped off the dock and just swallowed a bunch of times. That sounds horrid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was fun stuff. 
Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully it gets better for you, and hopefully this Eagle River thing gets good. I think that you know, talking to uh, my buddy Pete Blickard, who won the him and his dad won the championship last year and came in second here. Been fishing this area for the, their whole lives. They live here. Was telling me about how much he thought the fish were scattered now, and you know, I've been looking at the reports from the Muskie League in the area and stuff, and you know, they're not catching that many fish. So that kind of tells me they're probably are scattered or there's a lot of fish in open water. And so that's what we're going to key in into first and then uh, start working our way in from there. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, from that whole open water thing, Greg, what's your typical scenario? Once that open water thing kind of seems to die, what, what is it that you're looking for? Because I mean, we're kind of just starting to move into, and you know, when this podcast comes out, we're going to be moving into that summer kind of peak, if you will, where things have kind of started settling down from the whole spawn. The open water thing kind of slows down. Where are you going to go after that? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to what, what body of water you're fishing. If you're fishing, a, say, a clear lake and you, you know, have deeper weeds and stuff, I'm a huge fan of soft plastics rubber um on the weed edges i love red october tube fished uh deep on weed edges is really nice now let's say you're going to be up in you know some of your shield lakes up in canada where i'm going to be spending a lot of time that's going to be a lot of fish you know have a lot of fish up shallow in the weeds you know in the bays then they're going to migrate out you're going to see some start seeing fish on reefs and points and stuff like that but if i'm fishing traditional uh, musky water in the U.S. here. I'm always a deeper water guy. I really like deeper water. Actually, getting to know you taught me how to fish deeper water better. I love fishing those first breaks that those fish can swim up to that have weeds on them. You know, if it's in 20 feet or 14 feet or 8 feet, whatever that first break is that they can swim up to with weeds on them is where I'm going to look until the water gets too hot or, you know, starts getting really warm, then I'm pulling out that secondary break where I'm just fishing break and bait and fish. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that too, Greg. I mean, you know, there's always fish shallow, right? I mean, and it always blows my mind. And we've talked about this a hundred times. And I think tournaments really kind of put the, the true light to everything that happens in this whole musky world in the sense that the worst day that you have on the water guess what you pull in somebody actually caught fish and your worst day on the water could be somebody's best um, exactly you know i mean fish are you know the fish are always biting you just got to find them and that's the that's the thing i mean it could be somebody's best day on the water and and the the whole you know again i agree with you there's fish that are always shallow but you know in fishing at the end of the day you know, a lot of times fishing comes down to what you like to do, right? I mean, it comes down to, you know, how you like to fish. So for me, I, I like to fish a little deeper. I err on the side of deeper water. Other guys err on the side of shallower water. And it's just knowing when to make that transition and teach yourself to say, okay, no, we're going to do it like this today. Uh, this is what we're going to do versus, and it may be against what you like, but I, it, it'll definitely pay off in the long run. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the biggest question, though, ultimately, Greg, is 
you, you kind of hit it on the head. You said you have to make that change. When do you decide to make that change? I mean, for you personally, I, and that's a personal thing for every fisherman, right? You're struggling, sure. struggling, struggling. When do you actually make that transition to shallow water when you've been fishing deep and you're not being successful? When I look at the guy I'm fishing with and he goes, what the, what are we doing, you moron? Um, <laughs> that's, usually the, that's usually the first sign of a change. Um, that's usually like every 20 minutes in your boat, right? Exactly, exactly. Put your pants on. That, 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 that and let's make a move. The main thing is for me is that if let's say I go and fish and then I fish through maybe one or two good, you know, moon phase or early morning, late evening out where I want to, and I just don't move anything, then that tells me that I've got to change, you know, going through, whether it be a light change or a, or a slow lunar change, definitely you know, I should have moved a fish then either I'm either, either I'm not in the right area or I'm not presenting what they want right in that area. And that can be a two. I mean, that, that can be a big thing. Cause I've seen where, you know, the fish that were relatively shallow wanted baits that were stop and go wanted baits with speed, but typically you'll always move fish. Speed doesn't mean you'll see them or not. Speed usually means you'll catch them or not, you know, because typically you'll move fish if you're not moving them fast enough. You'll catch fish if you're moving it faster. So speed to me may not be the, the right thing there because you still should move fish, whether you're moving your bait faster or slower than what you should. But I think a lot of it comes down to if you're not seeing fish during what you think are good hours, then then you need to move and make that decision of, okay, do I need to go deeper, shallower, or do I need to change structure? Meaning, you know, change from weeds to rock to sand. And maybe it's just a simple little adjustment of that same weed edge you fished. Instead of putting your boat on the weed edge, put your boat in the weeds and cast to the inside edge. Those are all little things there. And I think those only come with time and, and being on the water. Yeah, I won't disagree with you whatsoever, Greg, but how about I put this scenario at you? Um, you're having follow after follow after follow. The fish are coming in. Maybe they do a half, you know, L turn and go through the eight and just sink, go away from you, whatever. But you're seeing the fish, but you aren't actually catching them or making that conversion of the figure eight fish eating. What are you going to do you, after? What are you seeing them on? Let's just say blades. So you're sitting on blades. Okay, if you're getting fish to follow in blades, two things. One, if you're fishing the blades shallow, if you're seeing them off shallow structure, you got to speed it up. So if you're fishing up shallow, speed, I think, is the key. Okay? So, you know, speed it up. Now, let's say you're raising them on a big bait up shallow, big blades up shallow. You know, reeling big blades fast up shallow is something a lot of people, you know, just can't do effectively downsize if speed is what they want i don't care how big or small that it is speed is the trigger i mean i've caught a lot of really big fish in shallow water on awful small baits okay definitely 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 speed those things up if you're seeing fish let's say in deeper water with blades and say you're working them slow 
you can't really slow them down anymore. But what you can do is, one, you can add something to it, maybe add a grub to the back, add a blade to the back, add something to the back of the bait, change the look of it, or to switch to something else that's going to occupy that same water column. Personally, what I would do is probably go to a bait like a, uh, a ripping dog, a bondy, or maybe a royal orba that is still has some of the characteristics and the vibrations, but it's just a little bit different. Do you ever consider where your boat's positioned, Greg? Because one of the things that I've always thought about is I'm getting these fish to follow, but they come up, they'll take a look at you right at the boat side. Uh, I think a lot of times if you were just to shift your boat position, like get a little bit further away so they'd have a little bit more time to follow, you might be able to convert some of them as well. And I think a lot of times um, one of the considerations that I think of is that they already know you're there, right? So if you can get just a little bit further away, maybe you might be able to convert some of those bites. Your feelings on that? Okay. That does make sense, especially if you're raising fish off of break. I don't think that has anything to do with flat, you know, where you're, where you're fishing, maybe a weed flat or something. But if you're fishing breaks, it wholeheartedly does, because I think those fish are more apt to bite the further you pull them off the flat, right? So the further, more, further they come off that flat, that means the more they're interested and they're more apt to bite. So that's where longer casts come into play. Just really getting the bait out there. It, it can be a big thing because, again, that's something, that especially with reef fish, I've noticed is that if you can make the longer the cast, the better shot you got of actually producing those fish. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes the, the other way, too, when uh, you're not seeing the fish. Sometimes maybe you're too close to them as well. You know, it's just something they to might think be, about. Yeah, they might be, uh, they might be underneath of you. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, that's definitely something to, to look at, but you know, you just, a lot of it, you have to go out there and just kind of fish it confidently and, and, and do some stuff because if you start picking down every little thing, your head will spin, you're not going to do anybody any good. So try a few adjustments a day. And uh, if it doesn't work, there's always another day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and throw one more wrench in that whole thing. And that's uh, casting inside out. Right. So just another whole sure. topic, but I mean, it, it's just, it's always interesting. I think it's interesting on, on your point of view, you know, when you're shallow, like you were saying, you know, the speed can be more of a trigger and, uh, you know, when you're on the deeper breaks, I, I mean, this is stuff that we've done together. I know multiple times, so it, it's just, it's cool stuff. I think, uh, the listeners will probably appreciate some of that. It's all in changing those things. I mean, and structure, I mean, structure means a lot. Depth means a lot. Presentation means a lot. I mean, there's all kinds of little things there. And nothing's wrong, you know. I mean, nothing's wrong. If you're raising fish, hey, you're doing something right. You know, you've got the right color, the vibration, the wiggle, the but you don't have quite what they're going to actually bite. So, you know, maybe, you know, adjust a few little things and, and some of those followers will actually uh, turn into biters. Absolutely. So Greg, you know, before we kind of let you go here, it's been a little bit here, but kind of tell us what you're going to be doing the rest of the summer. I know Eagle River is kind of the last hurrah here on the U.S. border, right? Yeah, I'm going to be heading up to Lake of the Woods. 
um, helping uh, out with uh, Lake of the Woods Lodge up there. You want to check it out, go to lakeofthewoodslodge.com. It's up in the Nestor Falls area. You know, it's only like an hour from like International Falls, hour and a half from Baudette. You know, full service lodge. You got everything from American plan to housekeeping. Um, out on the island, it is a solar powered island. So we do have, you know, all good charging capabilities. Lake of the Woods is up a little bit right now, but hopefully the water will start going down some. But um, I'm hoping this heat wave that's going through now will actually help and spark the fish a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'll be up there till the end of, uh, you know, basically late September. And then I'll come back and uh, I'll be out in the western area doing my live bait fishing in the fall and looking forward to all of it. So, Greg, if somebody's looking to do a Canadian trip this summer, how do they go about doing that? Well, it's, it's easy. You can always just go to the website, lakeofthewoodslodge.com. You can always call me, too. I love phone calls. I don't get enough of them. So, people, call me. 606-776-6729. Give me a call, shoot me a text, and uh, we can talk about it. We still got weeks uh, available up there. We got time at the lodge. Like I said, full service, everything you'd want to do, come up and see us. I'd love to uh, go up there, maybe show you a few things out on the lake. But, uh, yeah, no, it'd be a good deal. And also, like I said, if you want to get a hold of me about doing some late season fishing up in Minnesota, that would be fun. Uh, fun too and and like i said the app is something that we're doing that i think is uh going to be a big step for us in the future and it's going to provide people with more information than we ever could with the magazine well greg i wish you the best with the uh the new app i hope that you have a great tournament up there in eagle river obviously we'll know the results by the time this comes out so there won't be a lot of suspense there but anyways, and I hope you have a great trip up to Canada and, you know, hopefully we'll, t- we'll get back in touch with you again at some point when you're maybe over there in Minnesota this fall. All right. That sounds good. So we want to thank Greg for taking time out of his schedule to talk all things musky this week. And we want to thank our listeners again for coming out and listening to another episode. And we'll catch everybody again with a new one next Wednesday. Wow.